ladies and gentlemen, for one of the best sports podcasts in the business, subscribe on YouTube to Shaky Sports Journeys. Hi and welcome to another episode of Shaky's Sports Journeys. As always, as I mentioned at the start, you can find us by searching Shaky Sports Journeys on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. Um, please do subscribe. We have something for all sporting fans, be it football, cricket, rugby, boxing, something for everybody, as well as other elite athletes from other sports as well. Today's guest, um, very, very well, well respected footballer um, in Scottish, you know, I remember him from my childhood growing up. Um, even though I'm a, I'm a Rangers fan, I'm also a, a fan of this guy and what he's done for, for Scottish football. Um, so I welcome former fullback for Motherwell, Chelsea, Celtic, Scotland national team, Mr Thomas Boyd, MBE. How are you, sir? Yeah, thank you very much, Gassim. Very well, uh, just now, obviously, through this pandemic, but um, uh, as, as good as health as I could talk to be. Glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. So what I do today is I want to take you in a wee bit of a roller coaster. you know, get that, get, get that memory of yours working, Tom, um, and take you back to childhood. And just tell me a little bit about your childhood, your family background, where you grew up, etc. Yeah, no problem. I was uh, I was born in Glasgow. Uh, way back as a wee kid, uh, born in Springburn, uh, but wasn't there very long. Uh, my mother's, uh, or my gran granny was from a wee broom, village called Broomhouse, out by Bailiston at the edge of the east end of Glasgow, uh, and we moved out there when. I was about one, one and a half or so. Um, so don't remember anything about Springburn at all. Uh, my father, Mary Hill, my mother was from that area of Broomhouse. So we moved out to a wee village called Broomhouse and that was where I stayed for 20 odd years uh, until I, I left to go down to Chelsea. Uh, stayed with my mother and father through my mother days um, and was brought up uh, in a wee little village, mixed village with so many different age groups that, uh, you know, gave you experiences of different things through the years and and we all seemed to come together as they did at that time, um, not having so many things to uh, entertain you, like podcasts like you have yourself, Cassium, and Playstations and stuff like that. So uh, everything really involved the community uh, way back at, at that time, um, whether it be down playing football, it be the grandwains, the, the, the sons and the grannies and the granddads, sorry, all playing football down in a wee park at, at Broomhouse. Uh, and that, that, that was a great experience and a learning experience. And, uh, and it certainly helped you as you went along your way, how you were developed as, a, as an adult as well and, and, and seen so many people interact uh, through, the, through the course of the, the, the time that I was there at Broomhouse. So football, does it come from, did your, did your family, was there already no, interest in football? No, well, I, I had a, an older brother um, who was a, just a year older than me, um, so we both would like to go down the park and play football. I had two younger sisters. Uh, no interest, but my father never played football, wasn't interested in football. But I think just with everybody else, in the pastime that you had, other than, you know, running and playing gaty and hide and seek and all that around the wee state, which was a nice wee size that you couldn't get lost, it was, wasn't too big. Um, it was football. Um, it was football just about uh, every opportunity. Um, going down to the wee park or playing, as you say, we talk about playing gaiety with a wee tennis ball or even a can and stuff like that. That was that was uh, your education. We couldn't have someone's going to afford the ball at that time uh, when when we you know just 
or only young and didn't have a lot of money and stuff. So we, we just make do with whatever it was that we could do to play, try and play football. So it was probably just like so many other uh, youngsters at that time, so many of your, your other families that um, were brought up were um, just living uh, on the breadline and just trying to make make do for what we could. So that was my introduction. My introduction with football was just when there was a wee kid coming through up with the wee village. Uh, I then obviously developed, went to school um, uh, just up at uh, Bailson and St Bridget's and that was when my first uh, um, structured football game was played and that was in the school team and I played there uh, for a wee while. Uh, I was a wee younger lad and breakthrough and uh, all the ones on my father. I remember my very first game they played up at St Kevin's and I think why the guy had taken me there or the manager had taken me there was because St Kevin's up at Brigade, I don't know if anybody knows it, is one of the smallest football pitches ever. Yeah. It's almost like a five-a-side pitch, so I was one of the wee small ones going in amongst the slightly older ones, and that's why I was I was brought along. So uh, I developed. I think it was about nine when I played for under 11s and uh, and played ever since then uh, in different roles, varying roles, and that was my school uh, right through. Went up from secondary with St Ambrose and Coatbridge, um, but when I was um, at primary at St Bridget's, uh, I got a wee trial for a. a a, a boys club team which was in Easterhouse, uh, Oaking Gill Boys Club, one of my friends who were in the team were going along for a wee trial and uh, I managed to go along get a wee trial as well and uh, and so my first boys club team was Oaking Gill Boys Club in Easterhouse and played all those lovely pitches that they have in, in Easterhouse, if many of them will know it at Lock End. I played, and, I played, a, bit, I played a bit of boys yeah, club football at, at yeah, Easterhouse, I played against yeah. the young offenders once down there, that was a yeah. They gave us a good, uh, a good doing on the pitch that, that, <laughs> that evening. I tell you that much. Um, yeah, well, that was in the times when you seen so many gangs and others up and down certain sides of the pitch and aye. just waiting for their game to finish. And sometimes it didn't finish before they started <laughs> chasing each other. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was uh, that was an experience as well. Um, but that only went to I was about fourteen, and then they disbanded for a season, um, and I left uh, Ogdengill Boys Club, um, went along to Celtic Boys Club for a couple of years, um, and uh, I think from fifteens and sixteens. But they didn't uh, at that time. I wasn't on an S form, so okay. they didn't keep me on, um, and uh, I left and trial with Motherwell uh, in the early eighties. 70s, mm -hmm. sorry, early 70s, 70s, 80s, and uh, got a trial with Motherwell, and they uh, signed me up. Uh, Frank Connor was a guy who came along uh, and signed me up. He was assistant to, as you know, this man, Mr. Jock Wallace, yeah. uh, who was the Motherwell manager for a wee bit. So they were like chalk and cheese together, Jock and Frank. They were uh, great buddies together but, uh, and did well for the team. I think uh, Frank left to go to Celtic uh, after we spell, and Jock left to go to Rangers. Um, uh, obviously, we both their hearts were really well um, at the time. So that was that my early upbringing. Uh, my school, as I say, St Ambrose, were a very successful team. A lot of very good players in that team. Um, none went on to make it really big. A couple of trials, like Jim McDonald down to Coventry, one McGivern, a fantastic football player, went up to Dundee, but for whatever varying reasons, I think Jim was more injuries and going didn't quite make it. Um, guys didn't make it at the game. Um, and, you know, just for, uh, uh, there's so many players like that that have had hard, hard luck stories um, that, that they didn't make in the game. But uh, I was a little bit fortunate and uh, managed to obviously get my trial with Motherwell and uh, once. Uh, 
I think when I went into Motherwell, was there was it favoured me a little bit, and that the team were struggling at the time. Uh, I'd signed S form at the time. I don't know if you remember, it was a YTS scheme, uh, or was it the Youth Opportunity Program? I can't remember which one came first. Uh, but it was basically an apprenticeship, a cheap apprenticeship, which was twenty six pound a week, uh, and that was what you uh, they were paying you. Um, and so, but it's what you've done, it's what you took on uh, um, way back in those days when I was at Motherwell, um, it's what you took on and uh, uh, never looked back since, uh, not YTS, when I was on a YTS player, I was getting my first team debut with Motherwell. Some career you had with Motherwell, 1983, you, 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 yeah. you went into the, the pros, went into the big league, um, you played for Motherwell from 1983 until yeah. 1991. 252 appearances, quite a, you know, really long servant for the club. Talk to me about your time at Motherwell, um, and we'll finish off with obviously yep. a big success towards the end, but what was your, what was it like playing there? Well, I, I remember um, signing Motherwell way back at the start when I was there, were basically a part-time team. Uh, there was only a few full-time uh, full players, and eventually Tommy McLean, when Tommy McLean was coming in, uh, they, he was wanting to change the structure of the team and make them all full-time uh, for obvious reasons, trying to make it a wee bit better that it, that it really mattered for all of them and, and for, the, for the club as well to make them full-time rather than part-time and, you know, trying not to be a yo-yo club as they were at times. So it, it was a part-time team a way back at the start when it was on the S form. It then developed and changed. Well, but before Tommy McLean came in to develop this, the, the, the club into what it was and became successful after a couple of years, because the first few years weren't that great, um, we uh, it was Bobby Watson uh, had taken over from uh, Jock Wallace. Uh, Bobby Watson, ex Airdrie, I don't know if some of you know, but ex Airdrie man, uh, big model man as well. And uh, he, he was a manager um, for us, and Motherwell weren't doing too well. Uh, but I was able to get a wee chance. I played about four or five games as a young kid, an 18-year-old um, at that time. And uh, the manager told me I'd left him out for a few games. And I think the big thing uh, this time was when he was thinking about bringing me back, it was a Scottish Cup game against uh, Celtic, a quarter-final uh, in 1983. And uh, he was going to choose between myself, big Johannes Edwardson, who sadly passed away just... Not that long ago, big, uh, he played for Celtic uh, down the years, played for Motherwell, obviously played a teammate of mine. And he was um, uh, chosen ahead of me because he had experience. Uh, and uh, Celtic ended up winning the game 6 nothing. Um, and so thereafter, uh, the league was gone. Motherwell were getting relegated. And Bobby Watson came up and said to me, I said, well, look, there's the jersey. You're going to play no matter what to gain experience. So I could have had a bad game, a stinker of a game. Uh, as I probably did sometimes, but um, uh, through learning experience. Um, and he, he gave me my opportunity to get into playing first-team football. He left shortly after that. You know, he came in almost halfway through the season, but left at the end of the season. and didn't think he could take him further, and that's when uh, Tommy McLean came in. Uh, and we took a wee while, I think, it saved for reconstruction on one season. Um, and Tommy, at, at the time... You, you'll recognise me now as a fullback, and, and a lot of people do that. But where I was a player at that time, not the biggest, but I was a sweeper. I don't know. Obviously, the game 
has changed a little bit where it's mainly two centre-backs or maybe three centre-backs or something. Well, there was one player who used to be called a sweeper behind the big centre-back. Yeah. And he was a guy that would go and head with the ball. The wee sweeper would tuck in behind and, and cover up things and cover either full-back. Well, that's where I was really, and that was my, where I was born and bred my kind of game. Um, played there for a, a wee while. But then after so long, I, I broke my leg and uh, Tommy McLean had went out and got some uh, it, was, it was either Tom McAdam or Craig Patterson to come in to the team for a wee bit more experience. I get pushed out into midfield for a wee spell for a couple of seasons, just about a season and a half, I think, or so. Uh, but I wasn't good enough for there. Uh, I, I didn't, not that I didn't feel comfortable. You always think that you're going to still play and do whatever you can play there anyway, but certainly after a wee while, I thought, no, that's not me. And I says, right, I want to go back into being a, a defender. But obviously with Tom and, and Craig, uh, Tom McAdam, Craig Patterson being in the central, I could not get into those areas. So the only position, Fraser Wishart was a right back, the only position that was available uh, was left back. Now I'm right footed naturally, but I could play left back. You know, I actually became more comfortable playing left back than right at times, which I've, I've played ever since then. And I'm playing at Celtic, playing with Scotland, I think they're probably equally either side. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter I could play anywhere. But that's how I developed into a fullback, um, and it was in about five, three or four years into my career at Motherwell uh, that uh, it was changed, and I developed into a fullback and overlooking fighting back. And one of the big catalysts as well that helped us at that time when I was a player at Motherwell, I didn't develop a bit of pace. It wasn't electrifying, but it was a season where I worked on it. I went through the close season, worked through a close season, and get really, really quick. Uh, and the signing of uh, David Cooper, uh, you'll know who David Cooper is, a magnificent football player, and he played for Rangers. Uh, well, he came into the team and raised the stature and the profile, uh, and also the ability uh, of David, who was uh, exceptional on the ball. Um, and he was somebody that could utilise the pace that I had to overlap. And over Bobby Russell as well was another one who played on that left side of the area. So they're another fantastically gifted football player. Uh, so uh, we started to develop uh, at Motherwell with uh, the players that were coming in were getting better standard uh, than what we had the way back in the part-time days. Uh, and as, as, as it got known, and, and as you've seen the success that Tommy then built into the team, I think on one occasion finishing second, I'd left the club at that time, but finishing second later on. So it developed, didn't you? Um, and Tommy had developed the team through way down at the depths of being relegated coming back up, getting saved a couple of times to being a, a very solid team that would certainly have finished in the top six of uh, of the league uh, had had that been about at that time. So, um, yeah, you, you could see the signs of getting developed. But, uh, yeah, I had, had, had a fantastic time, a, a learning experience at Motherwell. And then the last three or four years at Motherwell was, was, was really when I was starting to take off for myself uh, and started to get, really get noticed. Um, obviously with other teams and then in the final year the year uh, my last season in, uh, in 91 uh, winning the cup that uh, teams were then starting to look at me That was a massive finish to your your Motherwell career 4-3 um, Scottish Cup win over uh, Dundee United must have been a must have been a, a great feeling because yeah, the way you've talked about it there you were you were an evolving team when you went there you, you touched on the fact that you were pretty much part time um, yeah. and, and things just picked up to, to get a Scottish Cup win uh, as you were departing the club must have been a, a great feeling 
Well, it was absolutely. I, I, I still recall my, uh, when I'm going up to lift the trophy um, that my head is shaking in disbelief that a small provincial club for where we were and where I was as a wee boy playing down the park with my, my grands, grand, uh, granders and uncles and auntie, yeah. whatever, you know, whoever wanted to come in and play a game. Uh, and here you are standing in the, the footsteps of Hamden and lifting the Scottish Cup, which I think probably just about every kid uh, would have dreamed of. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a very special, but it was obviously a, a little bit sombre as well, but I knew that was my last game for Murrow. Um, I was I was leaving that season regardless. Um, the, the rules of a player were slightly different. Um, the, the Bosman rule hadn't mm-hmm. kicked in mm-hmm. until a, another two or three years, possibly after that. Uh, so the club still held on to registrations. But it certainly looked very, very likely. Um, we had there was a couple of discussions before, I think the semi-final, that uh, a couple of teams wanted me. And I think there was uh, certainly Nottingham Forest had discussions with me. Um, but uh, wasn't comfortable uh, with what I was uh, yeah. discussing with uh, yeah. Mr. Cough uh, as he was. Um, and a couple of other teams I, I spoke to. So I definitely knew I was leaving. Um, but uh, to it was going to be at the end of the season, it wasn't really that clear. But uh, um, I knew on that cup final day that was my last game. And, and what a way to leave uh, a small club that uh, you go and take the trophy and leave um, and go down uh, wherever uh-huh. you live. A nice way to leave. Yeah, and a, and a nice, but at that point, you know, long, long serving, but you, you, did your, you did your time for the club. It wasn't like you were there. You don't see it as much anymore, Tom, where, you know, guys are playing at clubs for seven, eight, nine years. You know, they're a couple of years here, a couple of years there. You know, that yeah. was a proper, proper servant to the, you know, to the club. You did a, you did a phenomenal job. Great finish to things. And a lovely progression to go south of the border and head down to Stamford Bridge to go to Chelsea. Must have been a, you must have been a, very excited for that move. Uh, totally. Um... Fantastic move for myself. Um, it was a, 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 obviously going from a small provincial club at Mother and we down, and I was only 10 minutes away from where it was, and still knowing all your friends and all that to get into this big city that is London, uh, the biggest in uh, Britain, and uh, you know, it, it was massive changes. Uh, and there was a slight no, what, what, what would you say? When I signed for Chelsea, I signed at the end of the season. It wasn't the manager that signed me. Yeah, there's a wee story to that. In my process of the teams that I was talking to, I was talking to Chelsea, who I eventually went to. And um, the manager that I was talking to was a guy called Bobby Campbell. So Bobby Campbell was, oh, you've got plans, this is who we're going to play with, and Stevie Clark, blah, blah, and whoever else is in here, uh, and the defence. So that was fixed. Then Bobby Campbell resigned it uh, towards the end of the season. I went, okay, so how's that going to be scuppered, that move? But the assistant, who was a caretaker at the time, was a Gwyn Williams. Uh, and under the, di- the directorship of the chairman, Mr Ken Bates, um, who was uh, quite a character and quite a well-known character, uh, they proceeded to continue with this move. Um, so in one way, it, it, not that it uh, hampered me in any way, but um, going into the, the following season, the new manager that was there was an Ian Porterfield, a Scottish lad, who scored the winning goal for Leeds in 1973 for Sunderland in the FA Cup. Um, I wasn't his signing. Yeah. I was like a, a player who was being established and being there. Um, I was a new signing, but I wasn't his signing. 
unlike guys like who came in, Big Paul Elliott had left Celtic to get into Chelsea um, and other guys like that. So I, I don't know if that happened a little bit. But anyway, um, I'm in the team uh, and, and really enjoyed it. Great experience, obviously playing against some of the best players in the world at that time away uh, in the league. Uh, and it was just before, I think the season before the actual Premier League, as it's called, uh, started. Um, and so, yeah, great games playing here, there and everywhere. But um, uh, but you've got a shock that I did only stay there for that length of time. But when it came, uh, the options for me, I think, were, were far outweighed me staying at, at the football club. Well, yeah, I mean, boyhood fan of, uh, of Glasgow Celtic. Um, so they, they call it best bit of business Celtic, Celtic have done. It was the biggest steal, they called it. As um, Tony Cascarino, you basically done a it was a transfer swap between the two of you. We brought you up to yeah. Parkhead and seen him go down. Um, and you arrived at Celtic 1992, and you came into what was a bloody strong squad. Yeah, in fact, the team at that time, that towards the end of that that half of the season, were playing very well and on a very strong run. Um, I think the only game we lost was a semi-final to Rangers. But my, my first experience of the Derby game was at Ibrox. Um, I wasn't allowed to go as a kid. Uh, my father had a bad experience at one. I'm took the wrong turn. And that used to happen to me as well. I wasn't I allowed to go to the old fun games either. And so um, uh, I wasn't allowed to go to them. And so me, my first experience of that game was actually going to Ibrox and playing in it. And, and what strikes you and what is... Uh, the biggest thing is the noise that comes and is generated in the stadium uh, when it's full and both sets of supporters. That's something that will never obviously be repeated now because of the situation that uh, it's down to 800 supporters. And it's not the same. It's certainly not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, how, way many, back then, how many, Tom, would it... Would, would, uh, would, well, would it would be, be one side, Celtic... the, it would be inside the Cortland stand, uh, I think. I think we might have actually had that time. We might have got a wee bit more. I'm not sure. Obviously, the reconstructions had probably just finished and stuff. Um, so I think it probably certainly one side of the Cortland. It was, uh, well, obviously, Cortland, I think it was. And uh, and that was full and singing. Um, and, and, yeah, a, a great experience. And and just remember your, your ears were ringing just for days now. That's maybe why I've got a tinnitus just now with the noise uh, that uh, the fans were, were cheering and all kind of thing. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it came about as a bit of a surprise. I moved to Celtic, um, obviously, with Tony. And, and some ways, you know, that worked out for me and that Tony didn't do too well at Celtic because if he had done quite well scoring goals, then the move would never come about. Uh, and he'd have still been there and I may have been still at Chelsea but as you say for myself uh, boyhood hero of Celtic and great support and I'm, uh, I'm just absolutely delighted that for me and your family as, as it is you know every member of your family every member of your school everybody that's seen you wants to see you do well and obviously want your team and hopefully do well so thankfully you know, I've not played just the one game but I played quite a few games and uh, uh, over, right. over the course of the, 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 the campaign the 11 odd years I call it the dark years for about the first six, seven of them um, because, I mean, I was jumping up and down for most of those years. I'm going to say, are you speaking for yourself here or or are you speaking on behalf of me here? I think think it's on myself, isn't it? They were obviously bright days for Rangers. Um, Rangers were, you know, dominating, winning winning the league titles, nine in a row to be precise. Um, Yeah. 
talk to me a bit about, you know, why were they able to, I mean, both both squads were strong. I mean, Celtic weren't, weren't they lacking, but, but why well, were well, they well, we, we were, certainly Celtic were in decline. Uh, Rangers weren't in terms of the players that they could come in and bring in uh, and, and quality players that they go. We weren't, you know, when obviously the height of our problems and the changeover until Fergus came in. And it took a, a couple of years for that Fergus impact to, to come in. Um, it, it, it was on a decline. Uh, and the players, you look at some of the signings, it was free signings that we had to try and buy and players that just didn't enhance the, the quality of the club. So it started to, to, to wane and go down. Uh, there were still a couple of players, as you say, John Collins, Paul McStay, guys like that, were, were certainly excellent, fantastic football players. Um, but they weren't enough. Uh, to bring the rest up to uh, scratch and obviously to be competing with Rangers at that time and what they had available to them. Uh, so that did take, that was something that, you know, for me came uh, as, a, as a surprise, thinking that you go to Celtic and you'd be winning. If it's not one season, it'll be the next season. And it did take a little while uh, for that to develop. For us to really compete was when we first went back to Celtic Park. That was getting redeveloped. Um, and we went back to Celtic Park and we had a, a wonderful season we're losing one league game, too many draws uh, losing one league game uh, that season, that, we started to compete under Tommy um, you know, he certainly gave uh, everything to the, to the football club and uh, he's certainly somebody who had a massive influence in how they played and how the players played uh, and a way back then in terms of the passion of the club that, that he could transfer to all these other players Um but the quality that we had, um, obviously, Rangers had quality as well when you look at the players and the signings they had. And that's why they just edged it, as Tommy says about you know, Andy Gorham and what he did to um, prevent us from uh, winning a league earlier in that campaign. And, and never rightly see, you just go back and look at the highlights of some of the saves that Andy Gorham was and as a teammate for me. At, uh, at Scotland as well, he uh, produced save after save, and uh, but that wasn't just the only reason. Um, it would generally be in a case you look at the last couple of games that Celtic have played Rangers, where they maybe dominated the game but not taking their chances. Well, that was what the nineties were about. Not all the time, by far, far from it, but certainly quite a lot of the games Celtic would dominate possession and probably slightly more chances. Uh, but certainly, so we would maybe end up having a wee mistake somewhere along the line and that was uh, punished certainly with the quality that Rangers had and that was you know, uh, you know not a, a precy of what uh, that was at that time there was a lot of other factors but certainly that was seemed to be uh, the abiding memory of some of those games and the, the difference between the teams you know I've already had um, Simon Donnelly on good old teammate of yours part yeah. of yours as well yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Simon said pretty much the same thing he said you could play Fantastic in those days, yeah. and Brian Loudrup could get the ball on the uh, on and just make make some magic happen. And I mean, what a player! He what a player! I mean, you must have come, you must have, you must have went head to head with him a few times if you played. Uh, yeah, right but I, I was I was never directly. I think only in maybe a, a couple of occasions was I directly because quite a, often I was more as a central player. Brian maybe okay. floated. He floated left, right, really would play in the central area. Because, um, as I said to you beforehand, well, I played fullback for quite a while with Celtic. Uh, but the season uh, that Tommy came in, he put me in as a sweeper. Right, okay. uh, the first season was alongside John Hughes, um, now uh, Ross County manager. Mm. Um, and uh, he, we were the partnership there. 
Uh, and then Alan Stobbs came in uh, the following season, and that was uh, the partnership uh, there. And, and I was playing more in the central, but in other games, yes. And, and, and I love playing against the better players. I think everybody does. As long as you're a good player and you know how to do that, um, there would be occasions where you would think that they'll get the better of you. But there's a learning process. Well, how do I try and stop that? How do, how do I learn from that? And I think too many players don't learn from that. Um, of, of right, okay, keep repeating the same mistakes that, that seems to be uh, prevalent. Uh, certainly, you know, certainly Celtic for this season, but um, it's 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 something that um, yeah, just do. You, you play against the players and you do learn far greater than you play against a poor player and taking the ball off them quite often. Uh, so you've got to be up to speed. You've got to be up to your best. And and I think I, you know, I was I was a decent player and, and certainly as a decent defender. I like to overlap from occasion uh, on time to time. Uh, but I think first and foremost, I think I was a better defender as, uh, than an attacking fullback. Uh, and I think I could do Rob. And I think that was the reason why quite a few managers not respected me, but certainly could keep me in those positions. And why I only scored two goals because every set piece I was told to stay back. Right. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, because I had a wee bit of pace, uh, but certainly I could well organise it uh, at the back. So I, that, that was one of the reasons. I'd certainly love playing against you know better players, and certainly Brian was in that category. Uh, one of the worst, uh, worst players, uh, the hardest player, sorry, to play against was uh, uh, Mark Walters, um, was a Rangers player who was, who was a guy who was two-footed. And, and guys like that, like myself, are two-footed. They're very difficult to say, well, you know, you really show one way. But he could think, and if he was comfortable going the other way, then he, he was very good. You, you know, trying to whip crosses in. Well, where do you go? You've got to get really close. So that there was that nah, learning process, and as you say, you only get better by playing against these boys and learning what they do, what's the trick. You know, if you've got so many tricks, then it becomes harder. And again, that's where you get world class players. But if you've only got one trick, then you learn about that, mm-hmm. uh, and you learn right. Okay, when he gets the ball and comes out, he he, he turns on a sixpence and turns the other way. You know, so you get to the wee mannerisms. And so first and foremost, for me, I was a defender and I thought I was a decent defender at times. I never get skinned too many times, thankfully. I would, I would say, but maybe that's me just bragging about myself. I think, I think you're being, I think you're being, um, I think you're, I think you're, 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 you're being very humble there, but you're a, you were a, you were a, you were a cracking defender. I mean, you're, some of the things we're going to go on to talk about, you know, okay. tells, tells us how good a defender you were. And also, you were a bit. You were very well known for being, being having that speed and being able to get up and down the, up and down the, up and down and overlapping and probably working well with in tandem with certain players. Yeah. So you have your you have your bed and in period. Probably had to be quite mentally tough during those seasons because you kept coming on the other side of, of the of, of, of following second place. But everything changed when Celtic decided to make you captain. You know. Yeah. They should have done. What, what, what were they doing? For all those years, they should have just given you the captaincy. No, no, well, no what they were doing was uh, they obviously were a, a legend. Uh, our football club was still in the capacity. And the only reason I got the captaincy was oh, yeah, well, Paul McStay, yeah. Paul McStay retired through injury. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, and so uh, it was, um, on one hand, uh, you know, the biggest experience and, and the best honour of my lifetime. But then you say you've got to try and stop Rangers' best ever team arguably down yeah. the years yeah. of doing 10 in a row uh, we didn't start off too well fair enough but yeah for, for without any question uh, one of the best honours uh, bestowed upon me at the football club and that shows a lot of respect from the management uh, and also respect and I think I got from certain players within you know, 
old players, uh, and I think I tried. I mean, that's what you're trying to do, captain. There's always bring so many other things involved as well as trying to be a player in the park. There's so many things off the park and on it as well that you've got to do a lot of organisation. Uh, and uh, you have to be trusted in doing that to the best of your ability. Not just about, you see it sometimes where players' performances maybe dip because of there's so many things off the park and they're not fully concentrating on what you're doing on it. And, uh, you know, certainly you can take your eye off the ball. Uh, so, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic honour for myself that uh, was given that armband. But uh, it was uh, no easy task, shall we oh, say, yeah, well, the in, pressure, in that season. The pressure was, the pressure was on. Massive. Yeah. Massive pressure, ten in a row on the cards for for Rangers. Um, if they'd managed to maybe get that ten in a row, who knows how many more they might have done. But yeah, yeah. but you guys, I mean, another big big player came to Parkhead around that time. Now, if I'm get if I get this right, this was under Wim Janssen's management at the time. Yeah, it was Wim that came in and gave me a captaincy. Um, Murdo was a caretaker until Wim came in quite late on in the sort of pre-season uh, campaign. So it took a while for one to bed in uh, the team. But when one was bedding in the team, he was looking to get signings. Uh, and the signings that came in uh, had an, an immediate impact, um, apart from Henrik's first pass. And he hates us for talking about that, the one up at Easter Road. It, it, honestly, he repaid that a million times over for what he'd done uh, against Tabs and passing it to, of all people, Chick Charlie. Um, but you look at the signings that we, we made in that season where we had Henrik Larson, who went on to be an absolute legend. Uh, we had a, a, there's something there. We had a European Cup winner from the previous season come into Celtic and Paul Lambert. You know, you think about that now. You think about Bruce what that Dor- would cost. Dor- 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 yeah, you think about what that would cost now. I think we got Paul for four million or something like that, you know, uh, absolute steal. Um, so we'd managed to get him. Craig Bully was another fantastic player. I think um, Jackie might know. That was Scotland's mid, Scotland's midfield for the. Well, 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 the... not quite at that time because Craig was always hurt by Craig Brown right, because okay. Craig was always played in the right wing back role and he hated it with a passion. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember the goal that uh, we scored at uh, in the World Cup at Norway and it was Craig Bully scored the goal in the second yep. game, the yep. one each draw. And he ran to the I think he ran to the sidelines and just to prove a point, look, that's where I should be playing. I should be playing in midfield. So he took you an age to get to right, playing okay. in the central. But we had some fantastic players in that central. We had Stuart McCall, we had Gary McAllister, John Collins, Paul McStay. So that's the reason why Craig had to bide his time a wee bit. Mm-hmm. So you had guys like that. Big Matt Reaper was another one who came in, very determined character, came in. Stefan Mahi, um, uh, who came in and, and was a, a great defender. So there was a lot of uh, signings that season that came in to enhance the team. And it needed to be, because there was a few, as you know about the players that they, they talk about, that under Tommy, the three amigos, uh, you know, uh, big Pierre, um, uh, well, Stecanio, and Cadetti, Andy Thomas, another one. They all left. Well, Andy Thomas, I think, was still there, but you know, the three had left. So they were they were massive players for us as well. And they'd left. So we had to try and replace us and rebuild the team in the space of a short space of time. But eventually we got there and as you said, good players clicked together and, and they started well, obviously winning the, the League Cup that season at Ibrox against Dundee United. That was a, a 3-0 victory at Dundee United at Ibrox. So that gave us a wee boost. 
you know, that you know, by the end of the season there's not gonna be a photograph without a trophy in it, you know, yep. um yep. the team lineup, which nice had feeling for, nice feeling for you as captain as well. First time captain is in Yeah. There's no better way to start off as a captain in the first trophy that was available that you win it. So uh, you know it's you know a weird relief off your back. You know um, you know some managers captain somebody win anything in their time. Others it takes a wee while. Um, so it's uh, yeah it was it was a great relief. Um, but obviously the, the the bigger prize that season uh, was uh, the league trophy, which uh, we I think for for all the all the fans we had to win that one. Yeah. Continued on, season went from strength to strength, but it went right down to the wire. It yeah. was a uh, squeaky bum time, as they say, um, where uh, we, we, we came towards the back end of the season. Yeah. Um, but you managed to you managed to get over managed to get over the line, um, and you, you you stopped what would have been a momentous ten in a row for for, for Rangers. I can I can see the pain in your face here, Kazim. I can see the the, the, the grudging, you know, gracious yes. It was a it was it was a tough one to swallow because I knew from being a childhood Rangers fan how big a historical thing that would have been to win ten in a row. Yeah, um, but, you as a kid coming up and all you ever knew of Rangers winning the league probably when you started I didn't know anything else. I didn't think you guys no else, I, didn't yeah. think, I just didn't think Celtic yeah. could could, could turn us turn us over. I really didn't because yeah. my memories even before then I, I wasn't really watching football. So I just knew Rangers winning, yeah. winning, winning, yeah. winning. Um, and when that happened, it was like, oof, you know, Tom Boyd is ruined it. Tom Boyd is uh, a bunch of ruined. I, I, I would love to take all the adulation for myself. Um, and and you know that's why I've got a hump in my back here with carrying. Larsons and Lamberts and all these kind of, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah. Um, they, they were all, I think it's not an easy fix, but uh, if you can supply yourself and get yourself full with good players, uh, it makes everybody's job easier, it makes a captain's job easier. Uh, if you've got guys like that, where you've got five, six, seven, eight captains, of, you know, any team with any one time, and that's, that's what you've got to have. You know, you've got to have guys of character and guys of determination. That can take that role if somebody's out or somebody's not on a good then somebody else comes in and takes. And that's what we had, and that's what you and most teams have uh, that win the you know, league championships. They've got guys that step up to the mark at any given time. Uh, and that's how you win championships. What was it feeling like when you when you got over the line and you you picked up the, the league title? Right. Well, do you want to leave just now and I'll replicate that kind of I can just can lose it, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen. As as every Celtic supporter would have wanted to, you know, lift a, 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 a or play one game for your club. Then the next stage is if you're playing for your club to be successful. Well, I had that with the League Cup, and then the next stage is the most important is to win the League Trophy, uh, and and we got that. And uh, again, there was a sense of pride, but a sense of relief as well that that after so long. That it's finally happened, uh, and you know the great joy that comes with uh, those years uh, of heart down the, you know, it certainly would have been. Um, so yeah, it's um, yeah a, a, a day in, in your life that you will never forget. Uh, did you get a, Did you get a phone call from the legend Paul McStay at that point to say, "How the hell you done that? I've been I've been trying to knock that door down for the last nine years." Listen, I've always said you're better being a lucky player than a good player, and I certainly was very lucky that season. Uh, and that uh, what we had at our disposal uh, and what came together 
Um, I, I remember talking to uh, obviously, I think it was Andy Gorham one time, and I think he said because Bim Jansen was there and the tactics that he got, I think that's confused Rangers a little bit and stuff. But it wasn't so much gung ho as it would have been under Tommy and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 may have been a factor. There was other fact. The, I, I think the key factor is that obviously Vim coming in and being able to jail that team, that players. Uh, uh, not wouldn't have been easier, but in terms of the, getting a better quality players in makes it a lot easier. And that's, uh, I think, what Vim was able to get at that time uh, to bring in good quality players. Bit sad the way he, he kind of... Yeah, well, it came as a surprise, but uh, obviously there was disagreements with himself and uh, I think predominantly Jock, Jock Brown, uh, which were irreparable. Um, and uh, I think he, he left... Uh, yeah, sad that he left and sad that the man has come in to stop the 10 is not there to take it further. And who knows where they went if they went further no Rangers but players that uh, of good quality, but um, whether we've been able to sustain that and compete at that, then, you know, you never know with hindsight. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was sad for, for, for everyone that uh, you know, he, he wasn't around uh, for, for any longer than he did. But uh, what a season and what a, an impact that he made. To, well, he can't, he, he, he'll live on. For, he'll live on. For his, for his impact, yeah. His memory will live on. He might have went on to have a couple of shocking years and he might not have been, but he'll always be remembered. As yeah. you'll always be remembered as well. That he's, uh, as manager, as captain, you, you, you led Celtic to, to stopping yeah. uh, the 10 in a row. Brings in the, um, the, the, the mighty Irishman, Martin O'Neill, yes. comes to Martin. Celtic. Um, Talk to me a wee bit about how you how you gelled with him when he arrived. Well, well listen, well, you, 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 you gelled with Martin, we just listened to Martin. I think that's the most people's uh, impression with him. Uh, but what he says and, and, and how he comes across, uh, he comes across with respect and he gives you respect and what he, and how he talks. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, very knowledgeable in the game, but he's a, a great assistant and would work off him. Um, the two of the assistants that he had, uh, Steve Wolford, but in particular John Robertson, who was uh, wonderful with him, uh, great guys. Uh, and they worked well with him and I think he took them just about everywhere with him, uh, wherever he went. And, uh, you know, certainly they were key to uh, a lot of the good things that were within the football club. But, uh, yeah, Martin was a very intelligent man. And, uh, great enthusiasm uh, that he had uh, as you say as in your on the touchline as well yeah yeah without any shadow and and, and you know that there's, there's there's something in that that you can get up for that kind of thing yeah, i think we man i think there's probably a release that they're not out there on the park uh, being involved and doing something they can put a team into the park but it's up to the players that can do it you've worked on all your set pieces you've worked on all your moves but if the players don't do that, there, there could be a certain degree of frustration. So I think there's certainly something in that, and it's in his nature that uh, that uh, he goes out and just gives everything for for whatever team that he's 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 um, he's managing at the time, you know. So yeah, he had massive influence, uh, and obviously brought um, some greatness to the team. We're winning a treble, um, and and had a, a major impact and and a success at Celtic. But uh, I don't think that was to be. Uh, you know, you, you, you would almost be assured when coming in uh, with the players that you got. Again, you talk about the signings and uh, the stop to 10 and the players that come in. You look at the players that Martin brought in as well, and obviously in particular Chris Sutton, John Hartson, 
and guys like around that. the time as well that Lubo, Lubo Marabchuk Lubo, Lubo came in with Dr Joe uh, a couple of years before but I think certainly Martin got the best out of him um, and certainly what produced a player. Uh, gifted the, the, the most two-footed player I've ever seen um, uh, play um, taking corners I've even heard I've even heard Zidane I've even heard Zidane Zidane was a yeah, well yeah, exactly he 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 gave him I, you know, that, that's that's coming for something that's, 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 that's I think I know bad for himself uh, and he's in the times the, and they're, they're the worst. Worst. up the on Lugo, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah so some of the signings we, we come in some players were maturing still and Petrov was coming as a young boy and he was maturing and he was making him a, as a better player Alan Thompson who had was a, a, a massive uh, impact for us big game player there were so many others uh, within uh, the structure of that team uh, and also, I think you can see what, as well as Martin, what a physical presence to the team mm -hmm. uh, that had an influence in certain games, uh, obviously from certain pieces. But uh, I think that would be doing him a disservice in terms of looking back at what he was because the team played some decent football as well and some great football players, uh, as you mentioned, about Lubo Allen Thompson and guys like Petrov and all these uh, players that could play football. So um, it was the best of both worlds uh, way back then at that time with, and then certainly it was a great time to be playing under Martin. An honour is uh, you're the only second captain after Billy McNeil to, yeah. to, to to get the treble over the line. Yeah, that was in my history and it just shows you how difficult it is to win a treble. Um, you know, down the years, the, the, how, uh, how often it had been done or how less it had been done. And uh, certainly the players... You know, certainly you look at them and you look at the quality, uh, and with Martin coming in as well, then it was geared for success in terms of who came in, and then just he came in with his ideas, and he came in and just uh, made sure that everybody was certainly passionate about the, the football games and the club, and uh, and it, it really caught the imagination for for the whole support, and it was a, a great time for us at that time. Another league title, two thousand and one, two thousand and two, which is now bringing you at the back end of your. Yeah, I was I was then taking a wee back step. Paul Lambert was uh, taking over as captain, and that's okay. how I became uh, the club captain at that time. And uh, was I think that possibly could have been well. I didn't I only played a couple of league games the following season, a couple of league cup games the following season. So the writing was on the wall. Um, and, you know, one of the kind of things, and I was Brown or whatever. It's just one of the ones. I didn't want to leave at the time. Didn't want to leave the club. Uh, but knew and knowing that I think that was going to be adoptions to go elsewhere, but uh, I don't think I want to. I think I, I, I'd done myself a favour. I'd been through a couple of back operations and my time under John Barnes. What age were you then? What I age? was uh, 36, 37. Um, so it's, it aches and pains. Are still I, mean, I, know, I know players have been on the play. I'm 36, so I can, I can vouch for the oh, pains that you get now when, yes. when you're 27. Well, I had a few things in, uh, in my mind. There was options to go and play on for a couple of years at another club. But uh, as I say to myself, uh, a couple of back injuries, I said, well, is this going to last if I, if I have another couple of years? I said, no, I'll leave that and I'll just retire. And so eventually the, the fall season uh, got to Seville, but uh, didn't play too often. Um, I was uh, I retired at the end of that season. I think that, that was a fine well and uh, just leave uh, in my last year with the Celtic. Great career at Celtic, you know, phenomenal. It's um, but you went through the tough years, and you got your you got your dessert towards the you know the last five years of yeah. your time there. But you know, it wasn't always 
it wasn't always plain sailing. You know, it's it's not it's, it's tough when you play for the play for one of the two big clubs in Scotland. You know, you're always you know the pressure is always there. There's massive, massive, massive pressure on you, both uh, within your football field, but also in your private life and everything, and walking down the streets and everybody recognising you. I still get that to this day. Mm -hmm. um, people recognising you um, uh, from all uh, football fronts, all teams. Uh, and uh, it's, it's great, you know, because they recognise you for a reason, that, uh, for what you've done in the game. You've had an impact in the game in some way, whatever, uh, and hopefully for, for the better. Uh, and certainly had a few good games during the years. So yeah, that's that's something that uh, it's hard sometimes to deal with. You know that kind of side of that publicity. And sometimes you just want to go for a wee quiet night, and yeah. you don't get a wee quiet night. So, and that was all before the really introduction of the modern media, uh, which is really intrusive. I would imagine at yes. times. I don't think I would have liked to have been about it times with that really kicked off a way back. You thought, oh, that's just, uh, I think, very difficult to handle at times. As, as, as we've seen, uh, some of the, the things that have gone on just now are just, just not acceptable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I've left for the latter part of our chat here is the fact that you also, during all of this, racked up 72 caps for your national team, Scotland. Um, in a very successful period as well as an international team, something that you know the current generation have been starved of for a yeah. long, long time. Um, it's seen you become a, a Scottish FA. You've got, you're in the you're in the role of role of honour there as well. But I'm going to take you through a couple of tournaments. You know, big tournaments that you you were you were part of. And the first one you were part of was Euro '92 under the the management of Andy Roxburgh. You know, take me back to to that time and the excitement of getting into a big international squad? Well, the excitement was great. Um, uh, it was on the fringes of making Italy 90. Uh, right, missed okay. out. Um, just basically, I think, just a wee bit too inexperienced. Um, it was a wee trial match and Gary McAllister was actually uh, from the teams, made it into the squad. Excuse me, made it into the squad. Um, but yeah, along came, I've still on the fringes of things uh, round of, I started to play in the qualifiers for Euro 92. Mm -hmm. Had a massive impact on my debut where I helped set up the winning goal for Alan McCoyst uh, by breaking up the left, intercepted a pass from, uh, of all people, I think it was Hadji, uh, that world-class player that he was. Run down a length of back, he scored the winner, helped score the, set up the winner. So I had an, a, an instant impact. Played a couple Imagine of times. you and Coyste played club football together. That was like a match made in, match made in heaven there. Listen, see, trying to find him, it was, it's very difficult. Not the most mobile of characters, shall we say, at times, okay. you know. Um, but yeah, yeah I, we, we know what Ali was. He was a great finisher. Coacher. He, was, he, he could finish. We've seen his goal in Euro 96. I don't know if we talk about that. But yeah, on, on Euro 92, I was in the fringes of things. It was Morris Malpass who was a left back uh, at that time, a great servant to Scotland. And again, he was one who was just coming to the end of his career. And so I didn't play in the first couple of games. We lost narrowly to uh, Holland and Germany. Uh, and then the last game, we were out of the tournament and uh, Andy decided to give myself a, a little bit of a, a run and managed to beat the CIS as they were at that time. That was Russia. 3-0 uh, in the final game uh, and I think he had a, a no bad game um, so I was I'm delighted with that, that I, I was involved and got a game and uh, not just went there, I know you probably just went there for the experience uh, but it was great 
get better experience by being involved in the games mm-hmm. than you would probably just sitting about the stands and, and, and just soaking up. So uh, I, I got a game on that one, and uh, so that moved on. So it was fantastic. Um, Andy left. I think it was a following campaign that I think Andy left. Uh, the, the campaign for USA, we didn't qualify for that. Mm-hmm. So I think he left, and then Craig Brown came in. And so they were my two, only two um, uh, Scotland managers uh, at that time. Because obviously Craig was successful, and he got a good spell at it, you know, a good run at it. It's interesting. I said the same story when I was on the Simon Donnelly podcast, but just before you went to Euro 96, you were out at Inverclyde doing a just a last minute, I think, training camp. Yeah. And I was there with the Scotland under 15 cricket team. And basically, somebody must have went and asked if Craig would come and just say a few words to us. So we got to, Craig Brown came over, came over and chatted to us for 15, 20 minutes and, you know, yeah. G does up a little bit and gave us, a, and it was a it was, I mean, Euro 96 is my first main memory of Scottish international football going into the tournament, high hopes. Look at the Scotland team back then. It was, I mean, at the back, Colin Henry, yourself, um, and in the midfield, McAllister, John, sorry, Burley, Lambert, these kind of guys. Then you had, you had it was all the way through. Am I wrong there? Have I said, is that, is that, is that, that's pretty much it. Was that the right, right, right format I've got there? Yeah, yeah, you had. I'm glad you said that about Craig, you know, asking for a few words and come on, talk to you for 15 minutes, you know what I mean? It, it is like to have a wee chat and yep. that was one thing that we had plenty of at the time when Craig was manager was meetings after meetings after meetings. Uh, but it was to fill your head with knowledge of either the opposition or watching videos and don't want to do it too often or too much, you know, at the one time and just be short bus. Because sometimes football players can lose their concentration and, uh, and certainly that's what something they didn't want to do. You know, we just wanted to make sure that we're all watching these wee clips of videos. But yeah, that was a, that was a, a great, great build-up. And I remember being kind of a Christmas night or something like when the draw was made for that. And I thought people would wind up when they say, oh, you'll be playing England and obviously England at Wembley. And that, that was the only time I ever played against England. Uh, in my, my Scotland career, I, I missed out in '99. As I was talking about two back injuries, I was yep. going through one of my back operations at that time uh, when we were along lucky with the Hutchison goal. We lost 2 0 up here and the Hutchison goal down That's at Wembley. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, that was my only time. So it was a great build up. And when you look at it, you we were started well. I mean, we started well against the Dutch. Getting a point against yeah. the Dutch was a great start. Well, well, it was it was fantastic. I didn't know John Collins was a goalkeeper as well at times when he seen the handball that he had on that's right, that's the right. VR, I think, would have uh, called out there, I think. Nowadays. But yeah, that was a game where we just we just sat in and we just made sure that uh, we tried to get the point. Well, where we were successful with Scotland, certainly more so under Craig Brown, but then and Andy Rocks was we were very solid defensively as a unit, as a team. Uh, weren't possibly the most flamboyant of teams um, or, or the exp- most expansive but we could get the job done uh, and we generally got the job done in qualifying and getting to tournaments as we were under Andy 92 and uh, we had 96 and obviously uh, 98 so yeah, it, it was a, a, a formula that we used and the formula that we worked with but you've got to have good players and players that can play in these positions and do that kind of role so certainly under the the game against uh, Holland, I think that was really backs to the wall kind of performance. They had some wonderful players. Oh, yeah, wonderful players. Players, yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful football players. So 
Um, it was a backstory of all type of performance, and, and we were absolutely delighted that we got a point in that one. Big game at Wembley, beautiful sunny day, never forget it. Gaza was, is bleached, bleached white hair that, you know, as much as I loved Gaza and I loved him at Rangers, it was a, you know, we, we, we weren't on his side that day. Um, good game, you know, good game. Yeah, a game of two halves, I think Rangers, uh, sorry, uh, who was it? I'm saying you see Gaza then, I'm thinking Rangers, it was uh, England were certainly of the, uh, started the better team a wee bit more prominent and had a wee slight chance before the start of the second half but then we started we were getting stronger as the game went on uh, and we were getting better uh, as the game went on and had we got that penalty uh, had, had Gary scored it I'm sure there would have been only one winner or one possible winner because we would have got a huge lift out of that and we were on the ascendancy uh, Gaza was just about to, as you know, I was just about to get taken off before um, he scored the goal, and would have been taken off had we scored. I'm, I'm sure had we scored that goal, but obviously small margins, small things that that, that haunts that me. That one, I must haunt. I don't even know. I know how you must, have, what you must have felt, because that still haunts me. That penalty, it was. Oh. Listen, it happens. You know, there's been worse. We'll, we'll talk about worse. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, worse, worse can come. Well, Gaza, um, Gaza missed a pen. Gaza's missed a penalty in the, you know, in, in, in Italy, Italy ninety. He was. You know, did did you know? know it? Stuart Pierce, Stuart Pierce yeah. missed. You know, people broken. People have broken. Ah, yeah, I know. No, I, I was actually smiling that time when he missed a penalty. Right, so I, I wasn't very broken at that time. But what, what I will say though is, uh, the, the the worst thing about that tournament was the 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 goal that went under. Seaman's leg, when we were winning one 0 against Switzerland, you would have put Scotland with the qualified if it wasn't for that. Because yeah, had the whistle blown just a few, I think that was a good few minutes to play as well. But that was that was a game where we, we should have won by more. Ali had a, a, a great goal, and and we should have won it by more that game on that day with, with some fantastic chances. Uh, and and towards the end, where we knew one 0 was doing us, England were four 0 up, uh, and. Craig, I remember vividly asking what's happening. Do we need another goal? And he's just sat, you know, sat calm down, coming for the touchlines. No, we're okay where we are. And then within a few minutes, it was like the Alamo get everybody forward. We need another goal. England have lost one. And what, what, what are we playing at? You know, yeah. and tactics were just out the window at the end. Who was up? Big Colin Henry went up, and never went up. Just, just to say that it was, it was a weird scenario, and that was one that we. I think uh, I think Scotland have considered themselves being very unfortunate down the uh, the years of, of not qualifying for the next phases, and uh, and certainly that was one of the unluckiest ones. I mean, because we could have that, but like you say, that penalty goes in. We had the momentum. Yeah. Probably would have turned England over. Well on your way. You only really need a point from the Switzerland game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll never forget what a, what a strike by Ali. You know, yeah, it was uh, a fantastic goal, fantastic game. We deserve to win by more. We didn't, and and unfortunately, that that's that's well, possibly summed us up. Scotland, we we we, we but a team at that time, I don't think we were from point. We, we we didn't go score a lot of goals. We were strong defensively. It, it secured us some qualifications for major. Team gelled well as well. It was guys that I think had been around each other quite a bit of time. Or, you know, you played. Yeah, yeah, and and it was good players. Good. Well structured, well disciplined players that uh, knew their jobs, uh, and you know, we, as you say, when 
games came around that you had to win, we won them. Um, might have not been by the best scorelines. We've never been like that. I don't think we ever will. Um, but we got over the line. We knew how to win scrappily. Or, and I think that came from, as I was talking earlier, about being a structure that we knew how to defend. We knew we didn't give a lot of goals away. We'd Andy Gorham and the goals. Uh, we had a great structural defensively, both uh, at the back, the three Calder, we call him Calder, there was other than Colin Henry, myself, Christian Dale would come in occasionally, but in the midfield as well, we'd, we all knew how the rules and how to do uh, that defensive structure. And so we weren't the most uh, entertaining team, but we, we got there and that's that's what it was about. So maybe, you know, we wouldn't have scored any more goals at, at that time in that tournament, but uh, it was it was very, very unlucky on us, uh, I would say. And uh, yeah, it was a huge disappointment in the end that we, we, we didn't qualify. Yeah, no, gutted was gutted, was gutted. Especially like you say, that goal um, that just sneaked in under Seaman. I still think he let that in on purpose. Um, which, which I've got to say, I agree with you. Broke, 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 Scott, broke Scottish hearts. Um, but we go into another big tournament, massive tournament. You know, you you played in two European Championships, and you get the chance to go to a World Cup in France. And what? There's no bigger fixture that you could have played in at world football at that point to open the tournament up with a game against Brazil and yeah. you can let you but from a watching on point of view we played we, you know first half good 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 introduction played some really good football and uh, and, and it comes to the John Collins penalty but I'll let you go from let you go from there no well we can start with the start and how the build up fantastic uh, build up obviously going out there in the kilts and a wee bit of an anti-climax for, at that time where um, we'd done all this, come in with the kilts, got to see the crowd, see some of the family, and it was great, get in, get in the dressing room, and that's you until you come out for the whistle. You don't come back out to do your warm-up. You don't come back out to, you know, sample some of the, the atmosphere that's building up. So for about an hour and a half, we were stuck in the changing rooms. Um, I, I know it's the same for both teams, but you, you would ex- what I wanted, I think they've changed that now, where you go out and do a warm-up out in the stadium. We were, we were warming up inside in a wee room. Admittedly, it's that, it was that felt or whatever rubber that they have on the floors so you could run about and do whatever you wanted. But it wasn't mm-hmm. the, the same as being actually out on the yeah. park. And, uh, and, and, and as, as, as the game starts to build up and, uh, and more and more fans come in, the noise gets noisier. And so yeah, that, that all generates excitement in you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get that, and then when you come out onto the stadium, you've got your national anthem, you get the French national anthem, you get Brazilian national anthem, there's I think a UEFA national whatever anthem, you know, so many other it's things. A long wait, it's a long wait. Yeah, there is a long wait for it to get. Look, we want the game started. That's what you want. You want to come out and get the game started. Forget other the hospitality things, the hamstrings. Just let's get the game started. So yeah. that was uh, a bit of a good client match. But yeah, during the game, uh, we had got off to the worst possible start with a goal, early goal. But we settled down, and as I say, we could defend, and and they had some right good players as well. Uh, wow. One of the best players ever, uh, the original Ronaldo. Paul de Ronaldo. Uh, and how quick that he was, and how quick we speak, and that's something that hadn't come up before. You know, even any players that I played against, the sharpness of, of his scissor cut and going away um, was was absolutely frightening. But managed to contain him, um, and then obviously Jordan getting that goal. Uh, just before half time, which was, um, you know, that gave us a huge boost and a huge lift. And we were seeing it out comfortably, very comfortably uh, in the second half. 
until I thought that I was wanting a wee holiday home in Brazil and see if I could maybe get a wee space by the Copacabana beach or somewhere whatever it's done in Brazil um, and decided to to have an impact in the game, but uh, let's see, it was a, a, neg think, a, a negative. I don't impact. think that's what you. Were, I don't think that's what you were were intended in the in the slightest. But you must. Um, it must haunt you. Must it? But you. I'm sure yeah, life goes listen, on. No, it, it, it doesn't haunt. I can talk about it. I can have a fun about it. I can laugh about it. The reason being, there's something that I can have done about it. You know, because of the proximity that Jim Layton was to me and trying to just bounce off me. Mm -hmm. If I had. Went with a diving. I've scored some of these. Don't worry about that. My time went with a diving header. You you, you fire it into your own net or a bad pass back that's went into the goals. That would haunt you worse. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't really hurt because there's not a lot I could have done. I couldn't no, get you the couldn't. You I was really hoping, even when it came off my chest, and I was hoping that Colin Henry would have found some pace for somewhere that he never had. You know, I mean, just to get back. And wanting to be lightning quick to get the ball, but he, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't obviously able to get there. Um, and then it went in, and just we never. Well, we had a wee chance, which we should have had apparently again. And if it was VAR, I think it was Dunga was on the wall. John Collins took the free kick, and his arms out to the side, and it should have been apparently, but then never got it. Um, so that was a that was a wee bit of a, a hard luck story in that one, where we should have got a point for there. The following game, as we talked about earlier, but Craig Burley and the goal that he scored, um, that was one we should have won. That was one we certainly should have won. Yeah, we, we, we played ever so well that day, um, and I think we were dominant. Norway weren't really in the game. Um, but the last one was huge disappointment. Oh, and cool, possibly a, a case of a Scotland team maybe underestimating, mm -hmm. because we didn't realise, that we didn't think that Norway would beat Brazil. I think it was then irrelevant had we, or maybe not if Norway had been, if we'd beaten uh, Morocco. Uh, but maybe underestimate Morocco. Oh, who, who have we got to beat here? Morocco. And they heard in Morocco. No, what, what they, ranked? they were ranked higher than us in uh, the world rankings. Yeah. Uh, Morocco. But, you know, you think Morocco, we've not seen them. We don't know anything about them. Uh, and we're thinking, well, we've played Brazil. We should have got something with that game. We should have beat Norway. We'll be, because of other results as well, we think, well, we'll just do something against things. And, and we were very poor that, that game. Very, very Another guy as well in that tournament, another Haji, who made a, who made a name for himself. Um, for Morocco, and he, uh, that's, what, that's the only that's guy true. I remember. He, he, he made to, a name. He Coventry, or he played for Coventry. Played for Coventry. Coventry. Yeah. I had a spell with Coventry. But I, that was a That was a, better, that that was was a sore one. Um, a sore in terms one. of how we... we to get out of the competition as feebly as we did uh, was poor. We, we, we didn't we didn't jail, we didn't get anything. Right? There's very few opportunities we had of, of, of scoring. Uh, we weren't as strong as we were defensively. We seemed to be a wee bit disjointed. Why, I don't know, was it we did underestimate Morocco? Um, possibly, I think probably, but um, it, was, uh, it was a huge disappointment uh, because I think both teams, I think, thought that whoever won that game was going to qualify, but turns out that Norway beat Brazil and then how Morocco didn't that? qualify. You know, how, how random is that? You wouldn't have, nobody strange, would ever have penciled that, penned that, penciled that result in. No, 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 totally. Um, um, but it was a great experience, and we're now sitting here twenty odd years on after it, and thinking that we're here on the day that we're starting another qualifying for a World Cup, mm -hmm. and. Um, 
hopeful that we'll get there again soon. But it was, um, yeah, huge, huge disappointment away back then and huge disappointment in between times that we've not qualified for a World Cup before. Uh, I, feel sorry. I feel sorry for the this generation because, I mean, I got to witness all of those, all of those tournaments, you know, don't get me wrong, broken-hearted quite a lot of time towards the end of the group stages. It was, you know, yeah. 96 in particular, 96 in particular was, I was, yeah, was because really believed we deserved to go through in that group. Yeah. Scott, you know, played it, played out of our skin and just one Gaza moment and the miss of penalty, I think just that, that, that was the tournament basically right there. Um, but then for not to play in a big tournament for all these years and then out of nowhere, just to kind of, slip in the back door and qualify for the Euros, which I don't really think many people thought was 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 likely to happen, is just lifted. You just see the way the whole nation is just the spirits have lifted again. You know, we've got this song um that's uh, that, that's making the waves boogie and it's you know it's it's the, it's 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 great. The com- it's just really sad that uh-huh. we don't know yet if it's going to be I mean Scotland's oh, there's a uh, it probably sums up Scotland, doesn't it? You know, we've waited 20-odd years to qualify for a tournament and then we get COVID and we might not get there. And it? That's, that, that would sum us up. Just do, you know what? Up. do you know what? It might work in our favour. might mean that we got, might, you might end up slipping. That's There's always a positive. I think that a lot of people are tipping us to win it. You know, like, <laughs> you, 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 the writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall. Can you I mean, tell me what they're on? Aye, aye. There's some good. There's some good fixtures. Obviously, one big fixture in particular um, yeah. that, they'll, that they'll take on the English. I don't think it's a. I, I don't think it's a fixture that, that terrifies terrifies me as much as what it maybe did when you played against England. Where I think they were real star. I, I think that I think they're good, but I, I don't think they're untouchable. Listen, it, it all depends on, on what your attitude is on the game. Um, what you'd want as for English teams as I've done down the past is to underestimate Scotland. And that's when we are our best as we like to be. And I think most teams do like to be underdogs because then there's less pressure on you, mm-hmm. more pressure on the favourites as, as England generally are. Uh, and so that's what you want. You know, when you get into the game, well, what have we got to lose? Nothing. Well, let's go and have a wee go. Uh, and, and we've done that down the years countless times Scotland against England coming away with the victories so yeah that, that can happen again uh, yes England will still be favourites without any question you look at their rankings and generally in qualifiers they do very well when they get the tournaments obviously not so good so we want this to be a tournament that they don't do as well uh, but the only thing is, is that you're playing them again at their own patch um, but we did okay I think the last time we played them there yeah, we did would have been even greater then for us to produce a victory when you consider they'd beaten us 2-0 at uh, Hamden but we went down there and showed us how they could play and uh, and we were also close to getting to extra time and Christian Dale and it missed one uh, I was unlucky with a, an effort just late on in the game so it can be done, uh, and we can get a victory. Well, we've terrified as long them again. As we get those little breaks that we've not had at Wembley in the last couple of times we've been there. We 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 genuinely do we generally do pretty well in the fixture. We terrified the life out of them up in Hamden with Lee Griffiths putting in two phenomenal free kicks, only again to get heartbroken in the bloody last couple of minutes oh, with a soft man. soft yeah, goal I mean, that Harry Harry Kane got. 
It's so it, it's it's. I hope this is a tournament. The expectations are not too high. I don't think we're going in, but and and I think that might be the key to the success that they might just slip in the back door and 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 get 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 through the qualification. There's there's also an advantage if it is if we can get a crowd and all that to be able to play uh, a couple of games at, at Hamden, which you know you you think of that you know to be able to have your home team. Phone fans supporting you and your home ground—that's massive, absolutely yep. massive. So you would hope that that would be the case that we get this sorted out for the football, that we can find a solution uh, to get to the football safely. I think it may come too soon for that, but we'll wait and see. It would and be we'll a great come out party if the, if the UK could get if we could get in that situation and the football could yeah. go on in the summer. It would be brilliant, but I think, like you're saying, it'll be 50, very much 50-50. I think safety yeah. will be coming first. Yeah, totally agree with that. But uh, as you say, there's always a hope, uh, and we hope we're finger crossed that uh, I've got my vaccine, so maybe maybe I might be able to get go. again. Maybe that's, uh, I'll get you, to you the, can go. the game. Anybody vaccine, anyone that's vaccinated should be allowed to go and watch the Euros, I say, especially if they've had their second dose as well. Well, Tom, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure to chat through your uh, your fantastic career, club and country. Um, you be, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Celtic fans that will tune in, and hopefully, plenty of Scotland fans as well will tune in to have a watch as well. I'm sure a few Rangers punters will, will tune in also to have a listen to you. Uh, but I just want to say thank you very much for coming on. If you stay on for a minute at the end, I'll catch you. Okay, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, wish you all the very best, and hope you have some wonderful more podcast to come in the future. Thank you very much, sir. Yes.